Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Michael Rosenbaum, Lex Luthor, and you're listening to Always Hold On to Smallville. <laughs> Welcome to Always Holding to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Morton. I'm joined by Miss Lauren Wynn. What's up, Lauren? Hiya. It's good to be back. So That's right. Welcome back to Smallville. You spent some time in New Gotham recently over on the Patreon. Yes, I have. Uh, but we are back for what ended up being the mid-season finale of season six of Smallville, but it was not planned that way. Subterranean, there's not an episode title so an episode this week, but Subterranean was actually filmed fifth, but they had various production problems and delays, and that's why they ended up putting it out in the middle of December. I looked for more information on this. I didn't find anything other than that very vague explanation. I, I had a suspicion, perhaps, that they were like, hmm, this one's kind of awkward. Let's bury it after the, <laughs> the winter hiatus. No pun intended, subterranean <laughs> buried. Look at me making that connection subconsciously. But in Smallville, the official companion season six by Craig Byrne available wherever books are sold. Uh, writer of this episode, Caroline Dries, our friend from Batwoman and Christ on Infinite Earths, had this to say. She said, quote, I think the original conceit for this episode was that we really wanted to do a story about an illegal alien and use that metaphor with Clark. As he was never really technically legal, Martha and Jonathan probably had to fudge it a little bit because he's an alien, obviously. It's not like he had a birth certificate, and we wanted to play that parallel here. With Martha and Clark, it's just like, she took in Clark, she didn't ask any questions. She saw somebody who was vulnerable in a field, took him in and said, this is your hope. With Clark, he didn't look at the legal ramifications of seeing this kid, Javier. He just saw a person in need and said, if I can't protect him, who will? It was an episode where Clark was actually really learning from his parents. So, right off the top, I gotta say, I think their heart was in the right place with this episode. But there are very many (laughs) awkward exchanges 
Yeah. <laughs> that are, I guess, the tone tone deaf would be what I would say. What do you think of that? You know, I, I agree. Um, it's funny. I've never heard of the Carolyn Dries, her take on that episode, the background of it. But just hearing that, that's surprisingly uh, low concept to me. Like, I... I don't know. This is my season one brain going, oh, they probably just want to do a, a sh- an episode about a meteor freak who can bury people. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm used to that being the, I guess, like the genesis of these Smallville episodes, right? Like think of the power first and then figure out some sort of arc to work into it. So I think it's actually pretty cool that they just deliberately sat down and said, this is the kind of story we want to tell. But yes, I agree. It's so awkward in many places. We can talk about every single place where it was awkward. So Clark comes to odds with his mom here in this episode about uh, his choice to harbor an illegal alien. And uh, Annette O'Toole had this to say about that in the companion quote. I had some really nice scenes with Tom that I really enjoyed doing where we were really arguing like a mother and a son would about real issues. And I'm trying to explain to him my position. And that's also true. I mean, you rarely see Clark and his parents get into any kind of conflict about anything that doesn't have to do with like his powers. Like you can't play football, son, or you can't tell so-and-so your secret and that <laughs> kind of thing. Right. And here it's like, no, I think this, you think that Martha, let's not forget is a Senator right now, a state representative for Kansas. So that's a whole nother wrinkle in this. Um, and yeah, no, I, I liked that. It was kind of awkward. And then, yeah, just this, this episode, I don't, I don't know if I really don't know what these production problems were and stuff, but I suspect maybe they saw it and they're like, "Hmm, let's just put this in after everybody goes home for, <laughs> for Christmas, <laughs> and then let's just stick in like an epic ending and you know just make it all right, and let's use like a, a high budget, uh, yeah, AFI song, a- AFI. <laughs> oh my god, season six. This is one of my favorite songs in Smallville. I gotta say, season six is bringing back like the iconic songs of Smallville for me. Uh, if there's one thing yeah. they're hitting out of the park, I'm like, at, they don't use them as much as their earlier seasons, obviously, but the songs they choose and use, I'm like, you, you are hitting a home run, guys. But yes, that what an epic ending. Uh, and people, you know, yeah. whenever whenever people make fan trailers and stuff for Smallville. They're always using like that clip of Lex Luthor. This and little, clip, yeah. yeah. Little did people know that came from one of the most infamous episodes. Uh, but hey, gotta love Prelude twelve twenty one. That is one of the Smallville's best songs. So good on you, season six. But hey, in addition to that, I guess this episode's claim to fame would be Tyler Posey before he was famous. Yes. Uh, now you watched yes. Teen Wolf, Lauren? Is that correct? I did. I did. Um, and, you know, we would be remiss if we failed to mention that he played Jennifer Lopez's son in Made to Manhattan. Made um, to Manhattan? Oh, my God. That movie? Oh, that movie. <laughs> I, the reason I know about that movie is it came out the same week of Star Trek Nemesis back in 2002. <laughs> and it beat Star Trek Nemesis at the box office. And that's when we knew Star Trek <laughs> was in trouble. And it didn't have another movie for seven years. But anyway, I didn't know he was in that movie. Yeah, he plays the, the little boy, and yeah. I thought he was cute when I was a little girl. And then when I was 14 years old, and he was maybe 15 years old, I thought he was a cute teenage boy. And now that I'm a grown-ass woman, I'm watching this, I'm like, he's so adorable. This is such an awkward episode. So I think maybe maybe there was like a... Uh, I was wearing Tyler Posey glasses. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, Tyler's in it. And it's kind of ironic, because um, he went on to play in Teen Wolf. And that is definitely like a Smallville-inspired drama what is it with them these uh these shows they're like hey you know this comedy movie from the 80s let's make a serious (laughs) sci-fi fantasy horror tv show out of it right because i'm like teen wolf to me is michael j fox (laughs) so yeah 
Well, you know, it's interesting. Like um, when I look back at Teen Wolf and it's interesting because like this is like obviously Riverdale had no influence on Teen Wolf because it mm-hmm. came way after it. But like if you look at Smallville and you look at Riverdale, like the tonally Teen Wolf is like perfectly in between those two, even mm-hmm. though Teen Wolf was on MTV. To its credit, though, Teen Wolf didn't have a lot of filler episodes because it was 13 episodes long. So you get more of like um trying to think i was going to compare it to lucifer but that's that's a lie uh, early seasons of lucifer have are like non-stop filler and then the netflix seasons are not you know it's funny because tyler posey there's 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 like a, a lot of sort of thing going on in teen wolf just mm. like for anyone who hasn't watched it because uh spoiler alert he plays a teen wolf and um <laughs> at the end of the episode he finds out that the girl he has a crush on her father is a werewolf hunter so it's very much like this you oh. know clark can't go can't get close to lana because like he has to worry about his safety and then like mm-hmm. tyler posey's like uh scott mccall it's weird how they have this like he has the same name as uh as michael j fox <laughs> he can't go uh, get close to allison argent um which argent means silver and in- oh i get it silver bullet <laughs> my necklace yeah. very good yeah well hit and to play six degrees of superman tyler hecklid one of his big famous yes. roles was on Team Wolf, so <laughs> hashtag it's all connected yet yeah. again. So, exactly, yeah. Oh man, so yeah, no, I uh, oh, and uh, Ryan from Smallville uh, was plays on Team Detective well. Parish. Yes, he he plays like some like I think his his actual classification is called like a Hell Wolf or something. He's never shown as a wolf to my memory, but he's shown on fire maybe a couple times. Well, it, it's it's more of a disconnect to see uh, him. In that, then Tyler yes, Posey, because it, I'm like, he was a kid kid when he was on Smallville. Yeah. And he's and a man he plays now. he's a grown ass. <laughs> yes. It was so weird to me. I'm like, oh my God, that that's that's a man that is a tall man, like who doesn't have a baby face. What is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, folks, just literally look up like, uh, oh, I forget his name. Like the guy who played Ryan. Ryan, Ryan Kelly and, um, is his name. His first name is Ryan. Oh, right. So, yeah. Yes. So Ryan Kelly, look him up in like episode, what, what episode is Stray in Smallville? Uh, that's uh, season one, episode sixteen, Stray, and season two, episode eight, Orion. He's in those two, and right. then he's on, and then he he grew up, <laughs> and then he went to Teen Wolf. So all yeah, kinds literally of just look up Ryan Kelly, Teen Wolf, and just you know have your socks blown off and feel old. Yeah, so there you go, there you go. So I guess season six, it's been like the parade of the guest stars celebrity guest stars maybe like before they were famous or that kind of thing or while they were famous or before they hit it big right because you had tyler posey a little bow wow yeah batista you're gonna have kane later on these wrestlers right uh and then of course you have uh justin hartley who started here as green arrow came back as green arrow and then wanted to great success on this is us so right season six got that going for it yeah but anyway let's get into it subterranean Luther Corp is experimenting on people with abilities. The farm is like a graveyard. There's bodies buried everywhere. Everyone who tried to run has disappeared. What's that? The man could be anywhere. Then I suggest you start digging. Smallville, all new episode next Thursday on the new CW. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Subterranean is the ninth episode of Smallville's sixth season. It aired on December 7th, 2006. It was written by Caroline Dries and directed by Rick Rosenthal. Rick Rosenthal, having directed many episodes of Smallville before this, most famous for directing Halloween 2 and Halloween Resurrection. So an interesting filmography for him. Uh, and like I said, this was supposed to be the fifth episode, but production delays made it the ninth episode. Uh, so to that point, notice that Lana only has a couple scenes in here. They actually reshot the Lex and Lana oh. scenes to make them fit into the current continuity of the show. Notice that they mentioned the proposal and that sort of thing. Only in the one scene, though. <laughs> so I assume they reshot maybe only that first scene. By the way, there are no deleted scenes on the DVD, so I have no idea what those original scenes are. So the episode starts out, and we're in a cornfield, and we see a, 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 crop, a crop dusting plane fly over. So I, I, I looked, and I was like, is that CGI plane? I can't tell. It probably is, though, because the, the coordination they would have to do Right to get a, the the biplane oh. to fly by that time during that panning shot, it might have been, too, I may, but, but maybe it really was a plane. I I couldn't so credit to the show. I couldn't tell. Usually CGI vehicles really annoy me on Smallville, <laughs> but I couldn't tell this time. We get some representation from the uh, Hispanic community, right? Finally in Smallville, and they're all illegal alien migrant workers on a farm. So <laughs> way to be progressive, Smallville. Like that's what I'm talking about, right? It's like. Uh, I I feel like they were like, hey, what a great story. Because, look, if you're going to tell a story about Superman and illegal immigration and his own history and like, well, this happened for me and I'm going to help others, his origin youth story is a good time to do it. I, I get it, right? We've talked about his, his birth certificate and how it was forged and all that in the past. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there, this, is a, this is a worthy thing to address. And, and uh, But I just, I don't know. They just did it all so stereotypical, like, from the jump. Right. It's just like, well, oh. you know what? The the thing is, is like, I, I, I think there's a lot of power in being really raw about it. Not shying away from the fact that this is a thing in our country where you do have uh, illegal immigrants who do this sort of labor. Um, but I think it feels really out of place on Smallville just because they don't really have ethnic representation in general. It's like, oh, the <laughs> one time you're going to do it, it's this. Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's. Kristen Kruk, who it was half Asian that was cast as just white, and then Pete Ross is kicked off the show, and that's really it, isn't it? <laughs> the entire show. Yeah, by the time season uh, eight, nine, and ten come around, no color in the cast, in the main cast at all. But uh, but hey, we, we get Tyler Posey here as a Javier we and do. his friend, his friend uh, Francisco. And uh, I got to say, Tyler Posey does a good job here. Like, I don't see his performance and say, that kid's destined for great things. And I'm like, that was a good performance by a young guest actor. Much like Ryan Kelly before him. Like, these are 
are good little brother characters to Clark. And, and whenever yes. Clark has that older brother role, the chemistry is always really good. And I feel like uh, Tyler Posey and Tom Welling had a really good chemistry this episode. I agree. And uh, to the point where I even looked up uh, how old, where I guess like Reed looked up, because I thought he was about 16 at the time. Um, but I looked up before we started and this aired like the first week of December in tw- 2006. So at the time, I thought it filmed maybe October. Now I know that it probably filmed around August or September. But either way, he turned 15 um, in October that year. So he was like freshly 15. And I'm thinking Clark is supposed to be about 20 years old. And like there's more than five years of visible difference, more than five years of just like the way he acts towards him. Like uh, this is okay. So just off the cuff here. It's funny how in Smallville, we just kind of pretend that the actors are way or like the characters are way older once they're out of high school. Like my personal experience with Smallville is by the time we get to season eight, I just kind of pretend that Lois they're and Clark 30. are basically like, a pr- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even though they're like 24 years old. Right, right. Um, but like, that's the thing is we just got to a point where we just kind of pretended they were 30. And like uh, watching this episode kind of made me confront, did I start pretending this earlier than I thought I did? Because Clark is definitely acting... Like, how old would you say Clark seems like he is in this episode? Uh, like, at least 25. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's like, he's a serious, like, older... It, it's like a Val Kilmer, Chris O'Donnell thing in Batman Forever. I'm like, you're acting like you're my dad, but you're really like my brother by, like, three or four years older than me. <laughs> so I don't know what you're acting yeah. this way. Uh, yeah, so you're right, because he takes the, he takes him on like that. Uh, and even seeing, see, I think another thing that makes him seem more older is driving the truck. Because <laughs> we see a lot of Clark driving a truck in this episode. And to me, that's like... It's always so odd, and I was—I'll I'll get to it. There was a moment where I was like, "Oh, something's going to happen," and it didn't. I was very disappointed. <laughs> you thought a truck was going to get ruined? Do you want to add to you? Like, I, I, one I of was your like, counters? "Oh, we're seeing the truck so much. Surely there's a reason for this." But there's no. Usually, when we see Clark in a truck, it's because he's about to have an accident, and it didn't happen. But yes, to your point, we start out with these teenagers, and they—they they look like teenagers, right? I'm like, "Oh, they, this is age-appropriate casting for these characters." I don't know exactly how old they're supposed to be, but they're teenagers. Right. I want to just point out really quickly that Tyler Posey, like. I'm in this weird place where, like, I look at kids. I'm like, you're 14. That's so wild. I barely knew how to do makeup. And you look like like some 25-year-old Instagram star. And then, like, it's weird because sometimes you look at people and it's like, you look like a grown-ass adult and you're a teenager. Sometimes you look at teenagers and they're like, you look like a baby. So Tyler Posey was definitely, like, a baby. And, like, he still looked like a baby when he was 15. It's wild because, like, he's, like, I don't know. He's, like, 5'11 or something. He didn't stay like small and cute looking. He actually grew up to be like a very masculine looking man. I'm like, wow, like that was a lot of difference. I don't know. This is probably like the photographer in me, like always observing how people look and like how they age. But like, I am amazed that he was cast to be a teenager while he was a teenager and he grew up and actually looked different. Sometimes when people are cast as teenagers and they look like teenagers, it's they actually look like that for the rest of their lives. Mm. It's true. Michael J. Fox, the other Teen Wolf. So <laughs> there we go. How old was he when he was playing Marty McFly? He was probably as old as you know. The age difference there was probably as old as Tom Welling from what Clark was supposed to be. Uh, but uh, you know, we we have Javier and his friend Francisco out here working in the fields, uh, doing some unspecified work, just shoveling along. You know, they're they're complaining about the conditions. They're talking about escaping. Like, oh, you know, everybody who runs away gets captured or disappears. Right? They don't know what happens to them. And uh, one guy collapses. Right, an older guy collapses, and then uh, so they, hey, somebody get a doctor, right? And then old Jed McNally comes over, and this guy, tell me if I'm off here, budget Brian Cranston. Oh, it's well, actually, I got a little bit of a Clint Eastwood vibe from him. 
That's a gruff old white guy. But no, really, I mean, there's certain scenes like I'm like, did they try to get Brian Cranston for this? And if this was a better episode, that would have been great. But uh, I but can was see Brian the Cranston, as well. Brian Cranston by then. No, because Breaking Bad started in 2008, didn't it? Yeah, he, so he was, it was just before Breaking Bad. He was still the goofy dad from Malcolm in the Middle. So I think they could have got him if they really wanted to. But anyway, there's some shots. I'm like, is that right? I know it's not Brian Cranston. I'm like, is that right, Cranston? Uh, but anyway, uh, he comes over, and also this it reminded me of Farmer Brown from Batman the Animated Series, the episode Critters, which is absurd. As absurd as this an episode is of Smallville, that's an absurd episode of Batman the Animated Series. But uh, he's like, "Oh, get him some water." And so uh, it's established, you know, who 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 the taskmaster is around here. I'm gonna call him Brian Cranston the rest of the episode. But Javier and Francisco decide, you know what? Tonight's the night. We're gonna escape. And uh, Javier's like, "Have I ever let you down?" You know, we're going to get through this together. And so, oh. you know, they're, they're best buds. And uh, then we have a cut to later that night and uh, cornfields at night. All right. So I think about the Lost World, Jurassic Park with velociraptors jumping through them. Think about signs with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Mel Gibson, the movie with the crop circles. So cro- cornfields can be scary. Right. And this is actually, you know what? This is actually an effective sequence, I think, because we don't see anything. We just feel the suspense. Yes, agreed. The, like it was a good choice in the cold open to not show like anything that was happening really yeah because once you actually see what's happening it's it, you can't take anything seriously anymore after because <laughs> the guy's basically like mole man or something that's pretty much what he is ends up because you don't you don't know what's happening to these people right so they're they're running through the corn you know as we see we see uh javier and francisco run through the cornfield you know they start you know hearing hearing something that's following them and we, we see like this big like impact on the ground all this dirt's flying and they keep running 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 and uh <laughs> and javier makes it to the edge of the cornfield but i guess there's some i don't know why why brian cranston can't get to the end of the cornfield but he just why are you calling it brian cranston? i'm gonna call him that the rest of the episode deal with it so like, he he gets he gets francisco right as they cross uh into the uh the street and that's it i guess i guess he can't maybe only can take one guy at a time or whatever but francisco's gone and that, that's the end of francisco well, maybe because they were too close, like they were like so close that they let, I don't know, whatever his like earthly sensibilities, he just detected one life, one <laughs> sort point of movement. I don't know. They don't really explain his powers in this episode. No, they do, they do not. He got he got buried under a pile of kryptonite for three days or something. And that's why he got his power. So what, and it was is, written about in the Daily Planet. <sighs> this is a, this is a season. We'll one. get to it later. This is a season <laughs> one caliber media freak we're dealing with here but uh yes. yeah javier he he looks around francisco's gone and he just runs into the fog they have one final like uh, attempt at a jump scare because we see javier run off and then it's like it pans down on the corn and then it's like and it shakes and then it cuts the opening credits so it's like oh i'm scared so there you go that I, i'm hooked i don't know about you lord but uh <laughs> we cut to the opening credits we come back and we have what is presumably a reshoot scene of lex and lana and lana's just you know Starting her day at the Luther Mansion, walking around in her camisole and her coffee, and uh, this this establishes or reestablishes that they have different rooms. I, I'm very confused about define the relationship, y'all. Right? I don't <laughs> like. What are you guys doing here? Um, but she go, you know, she's getting ready for her day, and now she goes into Lex's room, which looks just like Rolana was the other episode. So I don't know. They make it clear that she has not given Lex an answer to his proposal at the end of the last episode, which you know, was supposed to be the cliffhanger for the mid-season finale, right? Which makes sense. But instead, they got this random episode afterwards, so they had to patch it up. And Lex is like, Lana, 
I don't want you to give me an answer until you're ready. And you know what? I don't know. Maybe in my life experience, no answer is an answer. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> There's that. But you know what also got me is where he was like, normally I'm so calculated and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, didn't you impulsively get married multiple times? Like, didn't? Okay. Let's let's test my Smallville memory, which mm-hmm. tends to get really good after season eight. But didn't he not marry Denise? Or no, Desiree. Desiree. That's her name. Desire. He Desire. married her, right? Yes, married her. <laughs> yes, I always remember because it's Desire too. Yes. But like, so he married her, and then he also um, married the doctor who killed him. Tried Hel- to kill him. Hel- Helen Bryce. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, but, oh. By the way, that's funny, <laughs> funny you mentioned Helen Bryce. So Emmanuel. Vagier. I never know how to say her name, but she was in a movie with John Novak, who plays Brian Cranston in this episode, uh, called Stranger You're in the c- House. So it's all connected. You're calling him Brian Cranston, and I'm call- and, like, I don't, I just call him Jed, but specifically whenever he appears on screen. Did you ever watch the Beverly Hillbillies? Uh, I'm aware of it. Do you know the song? Oh, uh, the the Texas Tea. Or- <laughs> Right. So, so this is a, so this is a song about a man named Jed. Like, so there's like this weird dissonance in why I'm watching this entire episode, and then like I have this stupid Beverly Hillbillies theme song playing in my head whenever Jed appears on screen. Well, he looks like a Beverly Hillbilly, that's for sure. But, uh, but, but yes. Uh, <laughs> to to get us back to this scene, Lex says, impulsively married once, you know, married another woman, dated her for less than a year. Um. And then is now engaged to Lana. So it's true, though, with, with Lex. I mean, Lex starts making dumb decisions because of Lana. When women are involved. Yeah. Well, uh, true. See, and this is what, and I've mentioned this before. I mentioned this a lot because Lex Lana, I'm, I'm not a fan of it, right? I love Lex in season one because with one of his other girlfriends who he did not marry, Victoria, in season one, uh, when he, like, uh, screws her over and her dad and they lose all their money or something and she's like we could have been great together Lex and he's like I plan on being great all by myself I was like that is Lex Luthor right not this like oh my god Lana like he, like it's so pathetic Lex because even in season 7 when she fakes her death to get away from you and comes back and it's like living with Clark he's like hey so I was thinking maybe we could you know work it out like no no I don't like that about Lex Luthor especially with Lana Lang but anyway He's also, like, side note, I don't know if they had decided to make the baby fake or not at this point, but that's way calculated. <laughs> like, that is the, he's just lying to her right now about not being calculated because he's orchestrated this whole fake pregnancy this season. So, anyway. I forgot all about that. Oh, my gosh. He's yes. so horrible. He's, yes. So, he <laughs> is uh, faking that, oh, I'm just so in love. I'm not, I don't know. And I'm, you know. And then he's going to uh, ship her off to Amsterdam this week for some art show or something. <laughs> It's just so out of Conveniently nowhere. Conveniently, completely off screen, by the way. It's it's so strange. Like, I, I don't know why they set the, this. This is a byproduct of reshoots and her being out of, you know, out of the episodes. Yeah. She can come back at the end, I assume, right? Because I'm like, are we at least going to get one shot of her? Because she comes back at the end. It's like, I it was so great. I did this and I did that. And power. We could use this power. Oh, also, what? I'd like to hear from the listeners. Has anyone been to Amsterdam? Is it really the, one of the most romantic cities on the planet? Because, I mean, literally, I just think of, like, the sex district. Yeah, I mean, I just think of uh, Eurotrip when I think of Amsterdam uh, with Christian yeah, Kruk so and Eurotrip. Been... <laughs> so it's all connected. <laughs> People, if you've been to Amsterdam, like, weigh in. Tell us if it's romantic. And then tell us specifically what is romantic. That'd be cool to know, to be honest. I'd like to know if, if Lex is as much of a magnificent bastard as we think he is and lying through his teeth the entire well, time. He's like, well, you're going to be there and you're going to miss me. And you're going to realize that you say, say yes, basically, right? I'm like, oh, the evil Lex Luthor's evil plan. 
<laughs> so, but uh, but hey, you know, she she uh, she's like, hey, could you stay for like an extra hour? Looking to get a little fresh with him before work, but he's got to go. He's got business to attend to. So, oh man, but 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 yes, uh, he is he has sent her off to Amsterdam for this episode. I like you think, oh, he he sent her away to do some like shady business, but that's not has nothing to do with that. Like it's not like he did something that had her she had to be gone for. Right. Yeah. It's just odd. And so then we cut to uh, the Kent farm and. Clark's just doing some chores because, you know, he's a college dropout and has something else to do. And uh, <laughs> and he sees Javier in his bar, like, washing up. And he's like, hey, hey. <laughs> and then Javier starts to run. And Clark stops him and notices that he's all, you know, scratched up and stuff. And uh, he's like, well, hey, let's let's get inside. The, let's clean you up, right? And, and you know, this is, okay, I got to say this. For as, as weird and tone deaf as this episode is, right, again, I think Clark being the older brother and Superman being, like, the protector of the the downtrodden, right? That that is, that rings true, right? That is consistent. I really like Clark's character in this. I think it, it tracks. So uh, much like in um, the less good Christopher Reeve Superman movies, Chris Reeve is a great Superman. In the less good small episodes, Tom Welling is a great Clark and uh, doing a good job here. There's that. And I think it's also kind of nice to see Clark like seemingly with the answers every now and then because we spend like 10 years of him just being insecure. So like these episodes give us a really nice reprieve where it's he's the older brother type who has the answers. Who's like, if you need something, he's there for you. You know, it's nice to see him have that sort of empowerment. And um, it makes me wish we had more episodes of him with, well, another actor besides Lucas Grabriel, but like him with Connor Kent later seasons. But Well, we had Kara for some of season seven. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they had a very sassy relationship, though. Yeah, but she was sent there to kill him. As they said in that one episode, but that was an alternate universe, and that was really unclear. We'll, so we'll get there. We'll get there. But I'm on half of season seven next year, so we'll get there for <laughs> sure. And I'll watch all those episodes. So Clark has apparently cooked Javier breakfast, so bacon, eggs, right? Uh, and then he's like, "So uh, he tries to talk to him. He's like, well, <laughs> this would be a lot easier if I spoke Spanish.'" And then Javier's like, oh, some orange juice, please. Well, I have a nitpicky detail to point out here. It's just like, oh, we have milk and uh, well, we have water. And I think we have some orange juice. He opens it. There is a, oh, lemonade. Lemonade is what he, is what he mentioned. But like um, he opens a fridge and there's clearly a bottle of apple juice right there next to the lemonade. We, we will take a screenshot of that, uh, the inside of the kid's refrigerator. I'm upset because I don't think it was ADR. I think he said the onset with that apple juice right no there. Way. Set decorator fail. Right there. But uh, uh, Clark's like, oh, you speak English. <laughs> it's like, it's so cringe. He's like, your English is perfect. And he's like, well, I watched a lot of TV. And Clark's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's their explanation. Yeah, Javier hasn't promised that he's not going to call the police. And Clark's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I ran away, I ran away from that farm down the road. And he's like, oh, oh Jebediah's place? <laughs> <laughs> Jebediah? <laughs> Brian Cranston here is a Trevor, right? Because he's like apparently known the Kents and all this stuff, right? Uh, so he's like an oh, old yeah. person Trevor. We don't get a lot of old people Trevors around here, which usually high school or college students. But uh, so they keep talking, and uh, Clark's like, "Oh, I'm gonna tell the sheriff." And Javier's like, "No, no, no, you can't do that. I'm an illegal immigrant." And Clark's like, "Oh, where are you from?" He's like, "Mexico." A week ago. I came here and I was going to see my mom and she works at uh, a laundry place in Granville, right? Uh, and I'm like, a week? <laughs> so definitely he had picked up English when he was watching TV in Mexico. Uh, For sure. So Clark is going to look into this farm now. And what better way to do that than to pretend you need farm equipment? See, this is this is smart. This is Clark being resourceful, 
right? He drive again. He drives up in the truck. So we're back to the blue truck now. By the way, it's been the yeah, red truck for a while. <laughs> so it's like where'd they get that truck? I know that he crashes a truck every season, but like where? Since when has there? Since when is there a blue truck? Uh, well, the blue truck. It's like season one. There was a blue truck for a while, and then it blew up in the season finale. But most of the time after that, they'd always been a red truck. Like in season two finale, the red truck gets so, flipped. Just you know. For the iconography of it, you want it to be a red truck, not a blue truck. Maybe they just lost the red truck and they were like, oh, blue works. Yeah, yeah I don't know red if, it, blue, if it works. If it was a sponsorship deal or what, but this is a Dodge blue truck Clark has. And again, it's so it's so weird to see him driving a truck, at least to me. I just think it's weird to see him. Because <laughs> you just expect it to crash. <laughs> right, well, that and like he's Superman. So like him driving in a truck must be like, man, this is so slow. Oh. He's going over to, to Jebediah's farm. And he's gonna ask him for you know a piece of farm equipment to get to give him some cover to talk to the uh, the workers there. So so yeah, he he pulls up and uh, it's a whole crew working there. And uh, Brian Krantz is there in his overalls and you know asks him like, so, "Oh, sorry to hear about your dad." So it establishes that they had like a like, you know a past relationship. And uh, he's like, "How's your mom doing?" He's like, "Oh, my mom's fine, but my tractor could use a piece." And and then he goes off to find it. And then he goes and talks to the um, the workers. And and Clark can't cannot speak Spanish, can he, Lauren? No, he cannot. <laughs> Though I was impressed that he remembered what they said enough to write it down later. Well, the guy, the guy did say it twice. So uh, I, I don't know if someone's speaking a language that I don't know. I have to hear them say it like fifteen times before I can say what they said. Clark gets this information and uh, he gets that piece, and he he slowly uh, drives off. But it's uh, it's obviously all is not well here at this farm. They, they do a good job of having it be like. And no one's saying anything. They're getting kind of scared. So, so and you don't know what's going on at this point. You don't know that he's like mole man. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's still a bit of a mystery. Uh, but then he comes back and uh, see. You, you can tell that there was had to do some reshoots and stuff here because there's no B plot yet. Like they got that Lex and Lana scene out of the way, and it's just been seen, 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 <laughs> seen with Clark because <laughs> he he goes to the farm, and then he comes back, and Martha's here, and Martha was supposed to be in. Uh, Topeka at some conference, but Clark's like, "Oh, hey, mom, you're back early." And Martha's like, "Oh yeah, the vote was postponed. Isn't it great?" And she's like, "Oh, what's wrong, honey?" And Clark's like about to say something, and then the sheriff shows up. Right, uh, the, the the sheriff who uh, Sheriff Morales, who uh, I, I guess it was intentional to make the sheriff Hispanic to make to kind of smooth over some of the dialogue he's going to give us in the next couple of scenes. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah. I don't have a definitive stance on on how comfortable I was when he said what he said. Right. Well, uh, excuse me. He's not the sheriff. He's the deputy. So we don't know who. Right. We don't know who the, the only <laughs> sheriff. <laughs> I think of the song. I shot the sheriff. Yes, I am. I did not shoot the deputy. Yes, yes. I just realized that myself. But uh, <laughs> he goes up to the door and he's like, "Oh, hello, senator." He's like, "Oh, we have a." Uh, had a report of a Hispanic boy running across the, the interstate. And uh, have you seen anybody? And Martha's like, no, what about you, Clark? And Clark's like, no. And Clark gets so dodgy so quickly. He's like, oh, it, it seems like an awful lot of trouble just to catch one person. And then we start to get the, I don't know, I'll call it problematic dialogue, I guess, uncomfortably awkward dialogue. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. But the sheriff is like, well, not if he's in the country illegally. It's like, oh, okay. And then Martha, side note about this, he, they want to search the property. Right. 
And Clark's like, well, do, is that really necessary? And Martha's like, Clark, honey, we have nothing to hide. I want to be like, Mom, I'm an alien. <laughs> like, I know we don't have the spaceship anymore, but don't we have, like, the octagonal disc around here? Like, I don't, I don't want people... If my son is an alien, I don't care if he blew up the spaceship and killed my unborn child. I st- yes, remember that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> I don't want people. Remember last time, like the F, uh, the FDA came over and they found the octagonal disc in the in the can of sugar. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want people searching the farm. So that's beside the point. Martha should also be like, if Jonathan were still alive, he'd be like, no, you're not searching our farm, right? But Martha's like, oh no, come on in, look through everything, right? Uh, but Clark is like, okay, well I'm gonna go with you, and that again, not suspicious at all, Clark. But exactly, uh, yeah, I don't think he's playing it very well. So again, yeah. there's no there's no B pot yet to cut to because Clark's like, all right, I'll go with you as you look around, and then we cut to him go looking around with the sheriff. So once you understand, like once you watch enough TV, you understand like the cutting back and forth between the plots. And right here, we've had like four scenes in a row now of the same plot. So that just shows you some of the structure problems they had uh, uh, making this fit into the new continuity. You know, they're walking in the barn, and Clark's like, well, looks like nobody's here. <laughs> and the deputy's like, well, you'd be surprised for some people uh, where some people can hide. And, and this is what Clark says. This is another like, ooh, uh, line of dialogue. Clark's like, you know, uh, this kid isn't hurting anyone. Why not just let him be? And the deputy says, if you want to get into this country, you need to do it the legal way, like my parents did. And you know what? I understand that point of view, but what they're, they're say, I don't know. There's just something about all this. That makes you feel uncomfortable. I guess it might supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, but these kind of stories, they feel kind of out of place in Smallville. I don't know how to put my finger on it. I don't know how to address it delicately enough. So we're just going to do things the way you always do and say what we think and have a good time talking about it. I'll toss it over <laughs> to you, Lauren. <laughs> Zach's like, I don't want to do a hot take about politics. Let's let Lauren do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, I do think that it was supposed to make you feel uncomfortable when it aired but kind of in like a womp womp sort of way but like watching this in 2020 I think that it just really stings because you have to because I don't know like well for one thing I'm no longer what year did this come out I'm no longer like 14 yeah I'm no longer like 14 15 years old so like I have I, I can apply nuance to a lot of situations so now I can recognize like yes it is important to do things the legal way but like the legal system also fails us and there are people who like they don't have the privilege of having their dreams realized of having their like rights protected through like the legal way. Um, so I, I was more uncomfortable watching it. This as I, I think you were too. And I think it's because we, we recognize that like as when we were watching this, we were, we were um, for me, I was literally like a, like a, a kid, but you were, I guess a young adult. Um, we were uncomfortable, but like now it's just like that much more uncomfortable. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> well, it's you know, like, it's, it's one thing. It's like Superman's going to, tackle nuclear weapons right i'm like all right that's like a more of a, a big picture nuclear weapons are bad <laughs> yeah right we're definitively bad <laughs> yeah, right so it's like oh, okay are right, you mixing it and i don't, I don't want to say these stories can't tackle you know real world issues i don't want to say like i don't want to say that it's just i don't like it something like this might have worked better on like arrow or something i don't know right because it's more gra- at least the early seasons of arrow maybe i, I don't know it just this show that you cannot calculate something like this and then have a subterranean mole mad, right? In the same episode, I think that's maybe where <laughs> I land on it, right? I that's the there's a cognitive disconnect about like, oh, my action adventure romance Superman fantasy show is talking about issues that are happening just down the border from me, right? It's 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 I don't know, right? And and yes, there there are very legitimate arguments on both sides here, and I get it and I understand it. 
may, you know, maybe Lauren, maybe this, maybe this actually brought this attention to some people who hadn't thought about this before, right? I don't know. I mean, I live in Texas, so we talk about this kind of thing a lot, obviously, because we're literally on the border with Mexico. But maybe, <laughs> so you know, maybe people who had no concept of any like illegal immigrants, what's going on? Migrant workers, people working these initiatives. Maybe this brought some light to some people, and that's great if it did. Uh, but kind of just my life experience and uh, like it's, it's talking to me about something I already know, but talking about it in such an elementary way. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I guess that's the that's the thing. It make it makes something so so basic sounding when it's as you said. There's nuance, right? So I don't want to harp right. on it too much. But I don't want to laugh at it too it's much. It's of the but. time because it's of the time because like like the CW or WB show was not going to really really tackle this in twenty. Oh, I can't even say twenty two thousand six. I was about to say like 2010, 2012. Yeah. No, two thousand and six. Right. They tried to do something that was ambitious, or I don't know. I no, that's a ambitious for smallville but not mm-hmm. ambitious for the time period but and like with those two combined it wasn't necessarily like an overwhelming discussion right mm-hmm. it it was still relatively casual for smallville they could have taken it further but they didn't because it was on the cw yeah and maybe if it were just ultimately if this were a better episode around these kind of themes and ideas even like wow look at smallville like pushing the edge of things right i mean you think about like the original star trek and they pushed they pushed the boundaries of things back in the day like race relations and that kind of thing in the 60s right for vietnam war they tackled stuff like this so i'm not saying this stuff shouldn't be in like sci-fi fantasy adventure shows but the fact that this is a bad episode like it just kind of just undercuts anything else they were trying to do like that that's something where i land on it so i think this one two punch of these two scenes like with these dialogue that really stick out at you like that's why i'm kind of addressing it now and, and well obviously there's a little bit more to it as, as the episode goes on but this was the one right. like, like rewatching, like oh wow <laughs> like one two uh punch uh exchanges of dialogue there that make you go hmm okay well that's why this episode is infamous for for this uh tackling this issue so deputy goes away doesn't find javier clark uses his x-ray vision uh, finds him hiding in a uh, ve- ve- could totally could have been found in like that cabinet he was in by the way so so yes. good on the deputy for not taking his job as seriously as he as he otherwise <laughs> could have right I have a note about the uh, the cabinet specifically the there's a I really appreciate the X-ray vision shot that they used it's really interesting how just seeing the the skeletal structure that his figure looks so small and insecure did you like I remember like like thinking that when I watched it and I still think that all these years later. Um, did you have that sort of observation when you were watching it? Like something about the way they illustrated the skeleton, like cradling itself and like the brow, like, like you really feel for that kid when you, when you see his. No, that's X-ray. a great point. It's a very brief shot, but you kind of like, he is kind like, he looks very sad and, 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 and helpless there. Cause he's he looks crad- like he's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Cradling himself is, you know, holding himself like, so yeah. you're, you're, it, it, you, you empathize with him in that situation. And, uh, and that, that's effective. Like it's an effective visual storytelling to get the point across. Right. Clark, of course, goes and, and, and gets him out of the cabinet, and he's, Javier's like, why'd you help me? He's like, well, I know what it feels like to be out of place. And uh, Clark says, I'm not exactly from around here either. And he's like, where are you from? And he's like, a lot farther than Mexico. And I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's I a do nice too. exchange. That, that's a cute exchange. And then suddenly Martha comes in. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because, because Clark's like, hey, we're gonna. This whole time, Clark's been very supportive, right? He's like, oh, we're gonna, right. I'm gonna find your friend, and we're gonna get to the bottom of this. And Martha's like, Clark Kent, you are, not, you are coming with me right now, right? And I'm like, whoa, Clark yeah. Joseph Kent, <laughs> right? She, she should have dropped a, a full name on him right there. So they go storming into the, uh, to the, to the house again. Yet another scene 
in a row of the same plot. I'm just pointing that out. We have yet to cut away to anything else. Has this else. happened in Smallville ever? <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't Probably know. not, actually. Because <laughs> usually there's so many characters you got to cut to, right? But Lionel's not in this episode. Lois isn't in this episode. But we go back to the inside of the Kin house and uh, Martha and Clark have a, have a real argument here. Yes. Martha's in a tougher position than she would be otherwise because she is a senator, right? So I'll give that to her, right? She's like, I took an oath that I would, you know, uphold the law. So she feels more responsibility. And then Clark just, he, he just lays one on her. He's like, he's like, well, mom, you've been harboring me for 17 years and I'm an illegal immigrant. And Martha's like, that's a completely different situation. You needed our help. And he's like, Javier needed my help. What does Clark say to her? What does he say? I bring this up in every like guest appearance I ever have on Always Along the Smallville. And he says to her, I thought you of all people would understand. <laughs> I thought you of all people would understand. That is your Smallville starter dialogue pack right there. And like given, it is well earned in this scene. But still, when he said it, I was like, oh my God, did I I did this to protect this? you, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little bit later, but we also get a, a check off when uh, and just then Clark barging in on Lex's... Um, uh, yes, at his mansion. There's yes. so many like stock Smallville things in here. Anyway, so yeah, they're arguing, and it's it's pretty brutal, right? Because uh, Clark does have a point. Multiple episodes of this series <laughs> focused on forging Clark's birth certificate. So you want to talk about yes. that? Clark has a has a fake birth certificate. Is an illegal alien. Is not part of this you know country legally, I guess. And Martha is a senator. So conflict of interest. The Kinsher thought about that before they got into public office, right? But anyway. She doesn't. She doesn't see it that way. And then Clark. This is a very Superman point of view, right? Because Martha's like, "Well, you you needed our help." And Clark's like, "Well, Javier needs my help, right? Who's going to help him?" I'm like, "Well, that's what Superman's all about: helping the little guy, right? Helping the yeah. the downtrodden." So I, again, the 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 spirit of the episode I approve of. It's just the execution is just so eh. right. Oh. Well, it's it's funny. I always want. Whenever people bring up like a uh, uh, Jonathan Kent and Man of Steel, I always want to like remind them of like this horrible Martha Kent moment <laughs> in Swallville. Well, it's the thing where Clark's like he's just a kid trying to find find his mom, and then she's like he has to go through the proper legal channels, and and there is there is nuance here, like you said. So and and then as for Man of Steel, I actually I have no problem with. I totally agree with Jonathan Kent. He's like and that that he's like shall I let the kids die, but maybe. I mean, how is that any different than how is it? I know people love hating on that, but I'm like, that's that's fine. Like, I, I grew up watching Smallville, Jonathan Kent. Like, that is that is the Jonathan Kent I know right there. And I'm seeing on screen. So we cut to another scene of Clark. He has gone back to the farm, the uh, McNally farm. As we mentioned earlier, right, he talked to the uh, the workers at the farm and they had said something to him about what happened to, uh, happened to Francisco. Right. And. Clark had written it down. He showed it to Javier, who translated it for him. And it's like the fifth big tree at the, you know, at Jebediah's farm there. So, I mean, I'm going to use all different names for this, <laughs> for this guy. So, uh, so Clark, he dri- we see him drive the truck back, which I thought was odd. Well, actually, so this is I this is why I thought it was odd. You just said the fifth big tree. But at one point in this episode, he says, I have to go. I have a meeting. And then you realize that they arranged to meet at the farm so it wasn't big tree number five it was big tree at five ah that's what yeah i thought that that was some weird i was like is that adr or something it's like i have a meeting like it sounded (laughs) it sounded weird to me yeah that makes sense now that you pointed out that way that makes a lot of sense okay so uh he drives the truck though which i thought was weird it made sense for him to drive the truck the first time right because oh i'm here 
on the level. I'm here for a piece of farm equipment, right? Like, oh, you're going to carry that back home, Clark? Were you that strong? And ha, ha, ha. Right, but here, he should have just used a super speed to show up, right? Because he's being discreet. Right, don't telegraph that you're there with your, your really bright blue <laughs> truck. Well, you were just there. This is all the same day, apparently. So you came back. Yeah. Anyway, came back, talked to this guy. Uh, he starts asking, like, hey, do you know where I can find uh, uh, Francisco? At, and the uh, the guy that, that told him the message earlier starts talking to him, and Clark's like, sorry, I, I don't understand you. And like, I guess when he downloaded all that Kryptonian knowledge, he didn't, he didn't learn how to speak any Earth languages. It was just just Kryptonian. I really like in Superman, like you see this in the movies too, like he can speak Russian, right? He speaks all these different languages. And I, I, I like that about, because he's supposed to be super intelligent. So at some point, I guess when Clark finishes his training, maybe finishes college, there's a thought, but he'll know how to speak these other languages. So it's just, it's just funny to see him like, oh, I don't understand you. Well, yes, Clark is a big dumb alien on Smallville as we have addressed for, for years on online. Um, that was, if if there are new listeners here, that was like something that he was referred to on the Krypton site forums. BDA. The, the BDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the BDA moments, the big dumb alien moments. Um, I, I I do wish that Clark had finished <laughs> college in Smallville. <laughs> However, I just wanted to insert that um, I like Clark to have human intelligence, if that makes sense. Street smarts. Like you, not exactly that. Like, it's weird because like, if you get into the real nitty gritty of like, of like his powers people say that he has to like if he's catching Lois Lane he has to uh, like he has to fly to get her then he has to descend at the exact speed that she's falling to be able to catch her and it's not like she's you know just like fell against concrete or whatever like so people are saying like oh he has to do math all the time like I just feel like that's more of like a a, like an intuition thing (laughs) I don't like to attribute that to like he's doing math whenever he saves someone um, but I do like him to be smart in the sense that like, I, I like Clark to be a nerd. Like I want him to like read history books and find it fascinating. I don't want him mm-hmm. to just be downloaded with all this information. Like that's mm. less interesting to me. I like, I like when Clark is smart because he's, he's worked for it because it also suits like the reporter angle that he works hard to like ver- verify sources and like chase stories and like, you know, t- piece all these in- uh, bits of information together. Um, I, so I, disagree i don't want him to know like russian and spanish and all these other languages but i would love if like he randomly knows how to say something super random in swahili because he's a really big nerd that all that and also that plays into like a lot of other interpretations of superman like you know Olson clark for example he went and he traveled the, traveled the world for a few years right he picked up things in this country that country that kind of stuff so you know a, a, yeah, yeah. a, a world traveled you know sophisticated but still you know, a, a nerd, for lack of a for lack of a better word, as well. Because that's the thing, right? I like that about Superman. Like he's kind of he's kind of geeky, right? Like just in his, you know, he's kind of dorky just in his 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 personality, but he's still like a macho guy at the right. same time. And that's like he's like the perfect melding of those two things. So the Clark Kent thing is like kind of a silly persona, but there's still some truth to that as well. Like he does enjoy this. Like, oh, so I'm reading Dickens. So maybe he really did like to do that. I don't <laughs> yeah. know, right? So yes. anyway, there, there's a translator there for Clark, and he tells them yes. that the ground swallowed all the people that tried to escape. So then, and I got to say, this is actually a very creepy, effective moment because Clark, he looks over at the ground, he uses x-ray vision, and we see yeah. dozens of skeletons. And I'm like, whoa, we, this show just got dark. And even the, and they do a cutaway to to Clark, and you know, Tom Wiley does a great job, like, like, oh my God, like this is this is messed up, right? That he's a good job with that facial expression, tells you everything he's feeling there, you can read on his face. And it's like, wow, they, they went there. Because I, I had forgotten... Like I was like, oh, what what happened to his? What happened to these people? Did he just go put him in another, like a like a pen or something, right, to to keep him? But no, oh, like, no, he, I definitely legit- remember this. It's such a like a, a like a macabre detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when 
what better to cut to than the Talon with Mocha Mondays on the side? We we finally we finally cut to the B plot, and it's like after that really intense stinger, right? But it's uh, uh it's later that night, and uh, and Chloe is doing a uh, a search online for a laundry service in Granville because that is where uh, Javier said his mom was working. They found three potential places, uh, so Chloe's like, "Your mom must be in one of these places." And uh, poor poor Javier's really excited. He's like, "Oh man, as, as soon as Clark finds Francisco, we're gonna go find my mom, right?" And we hear a knock on the door. We're like, oh, that must be Clark because every Clark must be in every scene, right? But no, it's Henry James Olsen, and he's here for a date. <laughs> Henry James Olsen, <laughs> and it's 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 real cute. He brings her a rose and like, and he's like, I got this great night planned for us. We're gonna go out for dinner. We're gonna walk and all this stuff. And and it's interesting here because think about it, this was gonna be earlier in season six, so they were still like. Just, I guess, uh, they weren't quite official yet. Because that's why later on, Javier's like, so is that like your boyfriend? And Chloe's like, define boyfriend. Which, in context, you're like, wow, Chloe. That's kind of a mean thing to say to someone you've been dating for months. But, you know. It's awkward. It was moved. Let's talk about Jimmy's awkward whipped cream can. We've all seen another team movie. We know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Um, but then it just cuts to uh, Tyler Posey be like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice cutaway there. And and this is um, would you call this problematic as well? That's a, that's a term I don't want to use too much. I think people overuse that word. Honestly, problematic. I think there are many things that are problematic, but when you call everything problematic, the word loses its power. Right? That's all. That's all I'm gonna say I agree. That. Yeah, we have Chloe. She tells Henry James over here. This is Clark's friend from Mexico. This well, this is in 2020. This is definitely problematic. In 2006. It's still bad, but um, uh, it's really difficult to describe these things. Okay, so it's not that these things were ever okay, but, right, like, th- they were always offensive. But at some point, the collective zeitgeist, like, we, we be- became very aware that it was offensive. So if you continued to be offensive, then, yeah, you're intentionally going out of your way to be offensive when you know that most people do not appreciate this. However, I don't know, like, someone could, like... I understand that there are people who are who were sensitive to this language in 2006. I personally was not at that place as like a 14 year old, and I think that a lot of people weren't, even if they weren't 14 years old. We've changed a lot over time. Uh, it's problematic now. There are always problems with it, but I, I think that we have to grade on a different scale according to the time period. Again, because just like the like for example there are certain words that we no longer use that like if you use these words you like it's like hey man you know you're not supposed to use that word we totally use these words 10 15 years ago you know it wasn't okay 10 15 years ago but like we didn't really know it right Right. so that's my stance on that well and then also a character like jimmy he is comic relief right so clearly they're saying this guy's an idiot right but he's like hello javier have a pepperoni pizza he's talking loud and slow and it's like man like no, like if someone doesn't understand English, they're not gonna understand that, and that's very condescending. Uh, but it's like right here, it's like, look, it's Jimmy. He's the funny guy, right? So that's like, I can see the thought process of why they thought that would be okay to do with that particular character. So I'm like, yeah, but yeah, that definitely does not age well at all. That's a good way to put it. Does not age well. We could use the word problematic, but I think the like a very, I think your expression works quite well for it. So Jimmy's gonna go order a pepperoni pizza, and, and Javier's like, uh. 
because Jimmy's like, you haven't experienced a miracle. Do you have a pepperoni pizza? And Javier's <laughs> like, isn't pizza from Italy? And Jimmy's like, well, we added the cheese. Uh, I'm going to go Okay. <laughs> I have actually never Googled this fact, but I've wondered about it for years. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Did we really add cheese to, to pizza? You should look it up, Lord. Now's the time. Fact check. I'm not going to do it. Someone else do it. All right. So, all right. Fair enough. You're passing the ball in the <laughs> fact check. So, all right. <laughs> this, is, this is how we know if people listen to your podcast, Zach. If someone gets back to me, then we know. So, hey, Clark hasn't shown up in the scene yet, but don't worry. Here he is. <laughs> he comes right in. Poor Tom Well, he worked so hard this week. <laughs> so he came in and uh, he's like, hey, uh, Chloe, can I talk to you in private for a second? Um, so that's not, again, he's really bad at playing down these things. And uh, he's like, so yeah, place was graveyard. They're also like three feet away from him. Well, he doesn't have super hearing, so it's fine. Well, you know, it's funny because like, I remember that there's a point in the episode where he snuck out and I thought it was going to be this scene because well, of how close I thought close it was during this yeah. conversation. Like, they've walked exactly. over here. We have a cutaway where he's like, hmm, they're probably talking about how my friend's dead. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, like, seriously. Like, Javier's not a dumb yes. kid. Like, I, I like the character. Like, I like the I like performance. I like all the things he does here. Like, he, he he's not just going along with it. He knows what's up. Um, but Clark's like, yeah, the, the, this kid's dead. And... Uh, Chloe reveals to him here that Luther Corp bought up this farm after the, the most recent meteor shower. So uh, Clark thinks Lex is involved. So he's going to go to, he's going to go <laughs> to our next scene because <laughs> he has to be in every scene. <laughs> he's going to go to the Luther mansion and uh, they're going to leave Javier here with um, Chloe and Henry James. And, and you can tell like Javier, they got another shot of him like, mm, like he knows what's up. So then we go to Luther mansion. And uh, as you said, we, uh, have another Clark Bargey in Alexis' home now. But he was escorted in. <laughs> yes, because things have changed. And even Lex says, he's like, I thought I told you, you're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> you know, so I, I like the the blocking here of this shot. We're Rosenthal, right? Good directing because Clark walks in, Alexis is above him, right? Because they're the power dynamics here have changed. Mm-hmm. They're not equal friends anymore on the same level. Lex is looming above him on the... Uh, on the balcony there. I do not give... <laughs> no, I'm not reading into it like that. Oh, come on! <laughs> Don't elevate this material. <laughs> <laughs> we get some great... We get some great reaction shots of Clark uh, with the with the uh, non-Veritas stained glass window behind him. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Lex comes down... Because <laughs> Clark basically accuses him of... He's like, I know you want to make money, Lex, but using immigrant workers and then killing them when they try to escape. And Lex comes down, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And... Honestly, I don't. Lex didn't know. As we find out, he didn't know. He didn't. Yeah, what was going on? He's still horrible, but he didn't. Yeah, I like. I love and hate this. This is actually this is impressive to me for on the Smallville like uh like scale, right? So I don't know. Like they, I appreciate. I I know I overuse this word. I appreciate the nuance in Lex doing horrible things, but then legitimately not being behind this horrible thing in this episode. Well, they did. They did. What, keep were they experimenting on him already, or they, I guess they were just keeping tabs on the farmer. Uh, yeah. Okay. But he, but he certainly didn't. He might have known there was some kryptonite stuff going on with this guy, but he certainly didn't know he was killing his workers. So. Uh, yeah. And then Clark asks Lex, "What, what would Lana think if she found out about this?" And Clark, and Lex tries to like get one over on him, like, "Well, we could ask her, but she's flying to Amsterdam on my <laughs> private jet." Like, okay, and then it's like I couldn't make myself available. I'm like, what? what you, like, uh, like he has to. Like, uh, that's just so weird. Like, what was he doing? Like, in a, in a 
in a well-structured episode of Smallville, there's a reason Lex would have sent Lana away and couldn't go with her because he was doing some right. nefarious thing here. But that's not that's not what's going on here. So it's just weird. He's like, he really just had a business meeting. <laughs> some lame meeting at Luther Corp, so he couldn't go. <laughs> so anyway. Right. I will say that it does bother me, like, throughout Smallville when, like, um, and normally he is right to do this, to be fair, when Clark uh, barges in on Lex's place and accuses him of something. And it's like, this guy runs a, like, a multi-million, multi-billion dollar company. Like, no, he is not going to know the ins and outs of everything that's going on, even if he lives in the town where that business is, like, ongoing, right? Um, In early seasons of Smallville, he does know about all this messed up stuff. In this episode, he doesn't. <laughs> Still annoying. Why do you think Lex continues to see Clark and let him in? I-, I think on some level he wants to like try to get in those jabs at him about dating Lana now when he can. Like the whole part about like, oh man, Clark's going to show up. I'm going to say, oh, hey, you know where Lana is? On my private jet. Right? That's kind of the only reason he lets him in to talk to him, right? Um, I also don't think about it. <laughs> Well, that's, that's my It's TV. <laughs> the main TV. characters have to interact, right? Uh, so then yeah. we cut to our uh, our first non-Clark scene in a long time. Jimmy and Chloe, they're talking in, in the kitchen, cleaning up. Javier's over there on the couch, allegedly, eating a pizza, as Chloe describes to Clark, which is all Eat, Eating a Pizza Hut pizza, I might add. <laughs> I think they were the only pizza chain that had stuffed crust in 2006. <laughs> that's right, stuffed crust. Uh, and so... Jimmy here, he's like, hey, where did Clark go? And she's like, oh, he had stuff he had to go do. And he's like, I know why he left. Oh, boy. Jimmy. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> like, he's clearly in love with you, and he's jealous of me, and I get it. But, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's like, Jimmy, well, what is, why so, do they play him like such can, an idiot, Lauren? I don't know. So, Well, I was going to ask you about this, because I think that they make Jimmy into uh, too much of a buffoon in this, the like, the early part of, like, like, this is not season seven or season eight, Jimmy, right? I think they're still definitely trying to figure out who Jimmy is. So they're just kind of like every um, opportunity to insert a joke, even if it makes sense within his character, they're they're doing it. So in this scene, it means that he's just sticking his foot in it, like way down, like in his mouth and like, you know, basically hitting his other foot with that foot. He stuck down his throat. Yeah, because Chloe's like, Clark and I are just friends. That's anchored big time or whatever that ship is anchored is firmly anchored is what she said <laughs> That's the, there it is right <laughs> yeah. oh man but uh but jimmy seems to be like all right well okay i guess we're cool so he's gonna kiss her and chloe's like hey we have company no pda and they look out the window and it's open and javier's gone and then he jumps in the back of a truck that was just driving by the back alley I... of the tower. did that make you uncomfortable Yes, like of all of okay. all of all the problematic things that I will say it here, like having the illegal immigrant who's running away jump into the back of a yard truck. I was like, really, guys? Can we not have found okay. another vehicle? Right? It makes me feel really good that you, my friend, who is a white guy, <laughs> also felt uncomfortable by that. Like he, someone had to think about that, right? No, it was 2006, and all these. Uh, so Carolyn drives at this episode. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. Okay, I don't moving on. I, look, there's only so many vehicles you can jump in the back of, I guess, and that's the one they had, and that's what they did. But th- there's just something about that you're like, eh. in an episode full of moments like that. Maybe you know what? In another episode where we weren't just bombarded by all these things, Lauren, they don't age well. Maybe that would have wouldn't have hit as much. But I was like, another thing. Come on. Oh, 
But we we got the commercial. We come back. Chloe's on the phone. Like, oh, Clark, you got to get here fast. And then Clark shows up immediately. Uh, and yep. he's like, where's Javier? And she's like, uh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, he was sitting on the couch eating pizza. And I like how mad Clark is here. He's like, Chloe, all I did was ask you to watch it. <laughs> you had one job, Chloe. <laughs> and your dumb boyfriend over here distracted you. And now my illegal immigrant friend is going to get picked up by ICE. So what do we do? What do we do? What happened to the next scene? <laughs> well, we cut to the next day, apparently. Like, like all it's just there's all this yeah. drama about he he just he just ran away I'm like oh god we got to find him quick and it's the next day i'm like oh okay i guess it wasn't as urgent as we thought but we get to this uh r- you know really disturbing imagery of all these corpses of of all the people that tried yeah. to escape who have been buried underground and that they're being uh exhumed that's why that's why i was surprised that you forgot that this that they were buried underground because this is a very strong visual lauren i've seen this episode twice I guess three times now. <laughs> I saw it when it aired. Oh. I saw it when I got the DVDs, and I'm watched for this podcast. Like I've forgotten so much of this. And okay, uh, well, in my defense, I think I've only seen this episode four times. No, there you go. Twice as many times as me. So. <laughs> no, you just said this is your third time seeing it. This is my fourth time seeing it. So you know, there's does, only not, one other time in between. We're not here to argue about numbers, Lauren. You know, it really doesn't. Matter. <laughs> uh, but then um, you're supposed to say stop doing math, Lauren. Yes. Okay. So Jimmy's there taking pictures, and Clark. Drives up again in this blue truck, which like we're, show- we're seeing so much truck this week. Something's going to happen in this truck. I know there's going to be a payoff for all this truck tease. So they're exhuming all these bodies, and uh, you know they ask they ask the deputy Clark's like Dep- deputy Morales, uh, have you identified the bodies yet? And he says they appear to be undocumented laborers. Yes. Question about this. I mean, like there is this weird sort of uh, the focus on Francisco, right? So like. Um, later on, Tyler Posey is like, do you know what happened to my friend? And like at some point, Clark, I think, says to Chloe, you're like, oh, they identified the body. He's dead. Like, what? No, they did not identify the body. How did you look at that kid and know that it was Francisco? He just like looks at him. Do they ever address that? He literally just looks at him. It's like, whoop, that's Francisco. We know as the audience. We're like, oh, well, that's Francisco. Yes, we right? do. But we, we don't. But, but, but they don't know. They care. We needed a picture. Yeah. Like, like he should have had a picture of a friend. Like, this is my friend Francisco. Well, they make such a big deal out of this necklace that he never gave to him. You, like, <laughs> expect to see, like, a matching one on him or something. Like, so Clark can identify that it's him. But, like, no. Like, he just. Tom Welling just stares at this exhumed body. Mm-hmm. And it then concludes that it's Francisco somehow. Right. That, that, that was a. I'll get to that when he when he tells him that he's he's dead. I, I don't want to make a point about a different episode where he didn't tell another person that their friend was dead. So he, at least he's learned, I guess. But Clark does ask the deputy. He's like, "What's going to happen to the others?" And the deputy says, "They'll be detained and sent back to their country of origin." And again, I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> moving on." I feel like they were trying to say something there again, but in the same scene, Lauren, here, here's where the disconnect is. We have this going on. You're like, "Oh, wow, well, well, you know," and then we have. Brian Cranston over here turning a mole man and going to the ground. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay, by the way, how do you visualize this man moving through the ground? Because I just think Aquaman and dirt. <laughs> it's because there's like a there's like a shimmy. He has like a shimmy, you know? Like and then he like just disappears in the ground. It, it's really odd. Wait, and by the way, I distinctly imagine Justin Hartley Aquaman in dirt. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, just uh... <laughs> Oh man, it's it's really weird. You know, Clark has this confrontation with him before he goes in the ground. He's like, he's like, why'd you do it? He's like, this far was my livelihood. And Clark's like, 
so you brought in slave labor and killed them when they tried to leave? Again, this episode is getting heavy and it's not shying away from it, right? Yeah, I'm actually surprised they said that they said slave labor. Yeah, yeah, cuz that's what this is. You know, migrant workers, right? I mean, you call call them what you will, but it's 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 a it's a modern form of slavery is what it is in situations like this, right? And so I'm like, wow, they're addressing this head on, right? And then, you know, Brian Cranston who's like, "Oh, was it about to let some potato pickers ruin my farm, right?" <laughs> and and then they're like, "Take him away," right? And then he does this shimmy and knocks the knocks the cops away and and just hedgehogs into the ground. <laughs> Gophers yes, in the yeah. hedgehogs don't go on the ground. <laughs> gophers in the ground, right? But he's like, "You and that boy are gonna pay for it." He got you, right? And then there is an itch. I guess it's the only interesting way to show this, right? Because after this ridiculous shot of seeing him like go back and forth, there's a hole in the ground, and then we see and then all the a point of view shot. Yeah, yeah, look into the hole, and the hole closes. I'm like, that's kind of cheesy, but kind of interesting. And it's funny, Jimmy, like. <laughs> holds his camera over to like shoot a couple Well, and pictures. then after that, after that, I think there's a wide shot where you see the farm and there's like some CGI clouds. I don't, but I think it's like supposed to be a dust cloud maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, after that, like powerful scene of all these corpses and we're talking about slave labor and all this, we have a ridiculous, this has got to be a top 10 ridiculous crypto freak. Right, Lauren? Oh, uh... That's got to be like your, what, uh, a, a good Patreon episode coming up as we'll actually review the the worst Meteor Freaks on Smallville. Well, after the best, we'll do positive first and then we'll do the worst. Okay. I'm still digesting what I think would be like a good one. We'll come back to it on <laughs> okay. some episode, on two pat- Patreon episodes later. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I think that this, I think he's a decent Meteor Freak. Like it's, uh, it's, it's got that season one like um, horror aspect to it. You know, really what more can you ask when it comes to Meteor Freaks? There you go. And it's, you a, know, it's a nice reprieve from all the phantoms. If if you didn't get enough of that uh, corpse footage, we have uh, Lex watching it on his Dell laptop in his library. I was I was waiting for him to shut that laptop. I was really excited because I'm like, he's looking at this. The door opened. He's gonna close the laptop, but unfortunately, no. Yeah, you, you have to check off all the Smallville <laughs> uh, stock moments, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it does because the scientist who comes in uh, is like, I I had no idea that he was doing this and lex is like he might want to get a stronger subscription to your glasses there doctor which is pretty funny because this guy's uh and then the guy takes off his glasses lex tells him that because because like all we knew is that he could go through minerals we didn't know he was killing off his workers and stuff and and lex says he didn't spend millions on research for test subjects to have them arrested so he's like find him before the police do so there was some connection going on here Right. And and the doctor's like, well, he could be anywhere. And Lex is like, then I suggest you start digging. So this is a very strong, very strong Lex Luthor scene. I like the scene a lot. And then we cut back to uh, Metropolis and uh, Chloe's in the Daily Planet. And it's weird. Uh, it's very subtle, but you see these fans and everyone's kind of sweaty because it's like, I guess it's still supposed to be the summer or something. Oh, uh, but of course, I did this, not is, pick up on that. this is after... All the other episodes. So that's another reason you can see this is out of sequence. Uh, but yeah, you see in the Daily Planet where there's there's fans on every oh, desk this... and there's little ribbons. Wait, would it be too much to to suggest that maybe after Dark Thursday, all the technology in Metropolis is not working? The AC is not should? working as it should. Yep. Maybe so. Or or maybe they're just in the basement and they don't have AC. <laughs> that's all very popular. Yeah. The AC was out that day. That's what we'll go with. But it's okay. but it's very nice. I wouldn't have noticed the fans that didn't have all the ribbons. Uh, on them right. so so like every single fan you see has all these ribbons i don't know I, what is the purpose of those i don't know because you'll be able to tell if a fan is working or not <laughs> so i don't know 
you know, it's like, oh, the blade's fitting. It's working. I don't need a ribbon in front of it to tell me. But anyway, Chloe and Clark talk about how, oh, well, you know, Ryan Cranston was a meteor freak, right? And uh, Clark's like, oh, he used to go fishing with me and my dad. I can't believe he's a, he's a murderer. They kind of write off the fact how evil he became. Like, well, meteor rocks can turn a card-carrying citizen into a bona fide meteor killer or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, I do like the I do like the argument that comes. That's like a very season one argument is that meteor freaks just just a meteor rocks just turn people into psychopaths. It's a pretty crazy thing. Well, but the, you have some good crypto freaks, you know, a few of them. I always think about Hug, right? Because there's the two guys. One's a hero, oh, one's yeah. a villain. Well, they have that's the dumbest pretty... one. They're like, oh, they were salesmen. That's why they can convince you of things now. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. There's no biological True. reason for that yeah. to happen. But then Chloe has her police scanner on her uh, Daily Planet desk there. And they hear that, oh, someone fitting Javier's descriptions been picked up in the, the, bu- the bus station, right? Uh, and then the, the bus driver has found Javier like stowing away under the bus and, and the luggage there. This is actually pretty sad. The way it shows like him like in the bus, like where they have all the, the luggage and like he doesn't want to come out. I don't know. That was I just feel so bad for this kid. But that's why it was inspiring because because the guy's like, mind your own business. And then Clark's like, he's my business. And he saves him, right? And that's awesome right. because the cops are closing in, right? So the Clark super speeds away. It, it's it's like Superman punching Nazi imagery, basically. It's like, not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> so when the bus driver's distracted, Clark super speeds away with Javier. And Clark had been real smart about not giving away a secret to this kid yet. Mm-hmm. But he does here because, look, it's like either this kid gets arrested or he finds out my secret. And you know what? My secret is not that important. This this kid's life is more important. So I'm going to save him. I really like the shot, too, uh, where we start out like on the truck of the tire, and then we see the legs super speed up, and then we pan up and yeah. we see Clark and Javier. That's a real cool shot, I think. I want to ask you, just in your in your first time watching Smallville experience, did you ever maybe say maybe around like season eight or season nine, just think, hey, I wonder what happened to that kid that Clark saved and he knows his secret? Because like I definitely had that thought. Like some like mm. I would randomly just think about Javier and think, oh, I wonder what Javier is up to, thinking about Clark and his powers. <laughs> no, I I was too uh, worried about Lucas Luther and why he didn't show up when Lex disappeared and. <laughs> And, or okay. Henry Small, why he never reconnected with Lana. Those are the characters I was thinking about. <laughs> so no, I honestly, I, I did not give Javier much thought because I guess the longer the show goes on, more people find out a secret. But still, they keep it very, you know, there's only a handful of people outside of like the It wasn't the, circle the Flash. Trump. No, the Flash or Arrow where everybody knows, everybody in the city knows who these people are by the end of the show. I'm okay with people knowing an, an Arrow because like he does... That's a, he does come out as a green arrow at some point. Yeah, I mean, he? he becomes the mayor. People know who he is. Like, that's a different thing. The Flash is like, no, I still have a quote unquote secret identity, but there's like yeah. 200 people that know my secret. So, uh, but no, uh, the people probably did. Jo- I mean, people talk about, you know, we talk about, we talk about Hug, right? The, the handshake guys, the uh, uh, Kyle, the good one. He knew Clark's secret. He's out there somewhere, yes. shaking hands. Uh, I, I call that guy whenever someone found out my secret. I'm like, hey, could you shake this guy's hand? And be like, you forget everything you just found out about Clark. <laughs> But Clark's like, okay, Javier, you have to promise not to tell anyone what, you, you, what just happened, right? He's like, I'm pretty good at keeping secrets now. So they have a, they have an understanding, right? And, yeah. and Tom Welling gives them this great smile. I'm like, all right, let's get in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a cute moment. It's a brotherly bonding moment. I like it. And then there's like this awful conversation in the truck. Yeah. So the, we cut to commercial. We come back and uh, we have Chloe and Jimmy. They've gone to uh, the, the laundromat in Granville. And they start asking about Javier's mom, and they find her, and they're like, 
you know, all the women are like kind of nervous at first because you know people are asking about. It. I'm like, oh no, am I you know this, uh, right. set up right? Am I in trouble? That's very realistic, right? But then like we we have your son Javier. He's like, oh Javier, like yeah, we're we're gonna go meet him. So it's a short scene, but we need to establish him reuniting with his mom at some point. So, well, I have another question. So there there's there's black don't crack and there's Asian don't raisin. Did you find yourself wondering like how like I I wondered this like. 10, 15 years ago. And I also wonder it now. She looks so young. I was like, she like, had I Javier was... when she was 15. I mean, she must have, yeah. right? <laughs> because... But, she's, but she also still looks like she's in her 20s. <laughs> right, right. No, I, it's like, she looks really young to be Javier's mom. I, even if Javier is like, if he's like 13, <laughs> even so, this woman is super young to be his mom. But uh, I thought the same thing. Actually, uh, I want to look up this actress now. Okay, look her up. I'm I'm sure she was in her 30s when she filmed this. Okay, okay. so Smallville. Smallville. Subterranean. Can I spell subterranean? Subterranean. I just said I just said spell. That's spell. Subterranean. Okay. Feel free to talk about something while I look this up. No, this is this is great. This is great radio. <laughs> oh boy. Fact okay. check. Lauren is on the case. Yes, I am. Oh, Maria Demo, Esperanza Ramirez. Okay. How old was she in 2006? Oh, the information's not available. Hold on. Let me just search her name generally. Maria Demo. Mm-hmm. Demo? Demo? I don't know. <gasps> what? Oh, sorry. Uh, when I searched her name, a bunch of obituaries came up. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I, it's probably just another one. Um. Wow. There's no information. There's so many obituaries. Okay, so this actress, her date of birth is not on IMDb. And if you search her name, you get multiple obituaries. Great. Well, we're just going to say she was like 30. <laughs> okay. But no. she looks really young. No, absolutely. So Additionally, if you know the, the, the Latinx or brown version of, you know, Black Don't Crack, Asian Don't Raisin, let me know. <laughs> let us know in the comments. So... Clark is really happy. You get the phone call from Chloe. He's like, hey, Chloe, they just found your mom. We're going back to my house now. It's going to be great. And, and then uh, Javier's like, so you never told me what happened to uh, Francisco. And Clark's like, all right, here's the deal. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and then he immediately, goes, uh, he immediately shifts into, look, it's tough. I've lost people close to me, too. We're going to get through this. Like, he tries to be supportive. I I, I like that he just told him. Um, to your point earlier, there's absolutely no way he would confirm he would, that he was dead, but all the people that went missing when they escaped were there. So I think it's a deductive reasoning thing, right? Okay, fine. Okay, yeah. Well, no, what bothers me is that they said they ID'd the body when they definitely did not ID the body. Mm, true, true. Because they have false papers work, so you don't know. Um, but my, <laughs> I mentioned this earlier about Clark telling someone their friend was dead. In Fallout... At the end of the episode, when Bow Wow becomes Bow Wow again, he was like, yeah, I was playing basketball with my boy, and I don't remember anything after that. And Clark's like, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll see you later. I'm like, Clark, you need to, you didn't tell him that his friend is dead. You know, you vaporized your friend when you were the alien, and they don't tell him that. So here I'm like, all right. He at least told this kid that his friend was dead. So there you go, Clark. You got you to gotta, gotta break the bad news some days. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Javier's overcome with emotion here. Right, he's like, pull over, pull over, pull over. So they pull yeah. over, the, they pull the truck over, and this whole time, all right. So here's my thing: like, I was like, we've seen the truck so much. Mole man is gonna jump up and wreck the truck, yes. right? I was That's like, what just, I thought too. <laughs> it's like, why? Why did? The, 
where is he? You know, and it didn't happen. It was so disappointing. Maybe they didn't have the budget in this episode, right? But I think, like, that's what you do. There's a reason why you have Clark driving around in a truck so much, because it sets up the big confrontation at the end when Mole Man comes out of the ground and destroys the truck. And is another Kent truck accident. It's going to be great for the tally board. Everybody's going to love it. But that's not what happens. They, they pull over, and then Javier runs, and then Clark runs after him. And it's funny to see Tom Welling run at normal like, speed. And they're at the farm. <laughs> they're, like, at the, like... Of all the places to pull over, that's what's so like, like. Literally, was it intentional? Like, I, I don't know, right? Because uh, no, I think he was just getting sick. He's like, like pull the pull over, like I like I need to get out of the car. Yeah. Right. Well, um, it, it's is- it's the same place. You're right. It's that the McNally sign is gone. Like the the painting that says McNally Farms is gone, but it's the same place. So was it supposed to be the same place, and they just took his name off because he just got arrested? I don't know. And this is like such an awkward scene. Like as much as I love Tyler Posey, there's so many shots in this episode where it just cuts to him and he smiles. And like, you know, if, if that's all they did the entire show, yeah, you probably would think that he doesn't actually speak English from like the amount of times that they just cut to him and he doesn't say anything. Like they have this back and forth and like, you know, he keeps on saying how he should have given the necklace that his mother gave to him to protect him to Francisco. And then, like, he does, oh, here's a small little, st- or here's just like a, a WBCW team drama off. thing. Yes, rip the <laughs> necklace off. Um, <laughs> I'm doing a bad job at recapping. I don't do this full time, but, <laughs> you know, they're arguing about this. And then uh, Clark gets attacked by Jed. And, well, I'll let you take over and I'll come back to, like, the awkwardness when <laughs> it's over. Well, and yeah, I, I think you're right. There, there are some shots of of, of this, them looking, and no, it's not saying anything. But you know, I think here though, I think Tyler Pudge does a good job. He's crying, and I'm like, at no point do I feel like, ooh, cringe, teenage actor. I'm like, no, I think he's selling it pretty good. That the necklace, yes, point I do agree, is a shade too far because it's so cliche. You're absolutely. You're absolutely yeah. right. But again, th- this is the kind of stuff somebody's like, all right, Tyler Posey, good guest star. Uh, but then Clark's like, hey, come on. We're going to we're gonna get out of here. And they're like, all right. And then CGI and then cloud of dust erupts. <laughs> just- yes. It was so bad because there's just like this wide shot that yeah. like it shows Tyler Posey just covered in dirt. And like also they have like a, they uh, did they stick an air cannon in the ground? Like, I don't know. Like it, it, it was such a, a, a laughable looking shot. Like. I'm not supposed to watch things like that and just laugh out loud. But yeah. I did. <laughs> and then we, you know, he's just like Clark, Clark. And you see like the ground rumbling and this kind of thing. You're like, Oh, cool. And you think like, Oh, you're going to get a real cool fight between Clark and Brian Cranston. Um, but instead you just see some ground exploding. And then you see a, you see a person fly out of the ground. And I was thinking like, Aqua back in season five was like, oh, being underground, See? being under See Aquaman <laughs> in the dirt. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, oh, it's like when when AC kind of threw Clark out of the lake, right? And then you know, I'm like, it's the same because under the dirt, that's his domain, right? So he's more powerful than Clark there. See, I got this for a reason. There you go. We, we all, have, yeah, it's all connected, Lauren. But, there you go. But no, it it's not Clark. It's Brian Cranston, and he's knocked out and. And then he's in a coma Clark after just, this? like, jettisoned him from the ground, basically. Sh- should we count this as a knockout to keep Clark's secret because he's in, like, a coma after this? So I'm going to count it. What do you think? No, because I think it should be, like, and no, I don't count it. All right, well, you're knockout the guest. Knockout to, to keep the secret is, like... <sighs> All right, well, I, I always defer to the guest. So if you say it's not, then it's not. 
I don't know. I think of just like someone being hit upside the head, like with a chair or something for that. Right. True. But, but since he's in a coma, he can't share Clark's secret with anyone, which he clearly knows now. So, but I think that, that the coma is a byproduct of, of what happened okay. and not like Clark intentionally knocking him out. Fair enough. Fair right? enough. We, we have, we've had, we have two minds on this. Many other people have, have, have ruled the other side, but we're going to defer to your judgment, Lauren, because you're the guest this week. So, yay. Okay. Cool. So back to the awkward dialogue. So, <laughs> but, but he picks up the all important necklace, Lauren. <laughs> Clark picks up the necklace, hands it back to him, and you know Tyler Posey just smiles as if that solves everything in this entire episode. The, like they just, like I'm not freaking out, right? They just they cut to him smiling a lot. Yeah, like, but a lot. And it's, I, it's a dark season. I like seeing the character smile for a change. <laughs> maybe it's because he doesn't say anything before he smiles. He just mm, smiles. Yeah. yeah. Well, then they uh they come back to the uh, the kid house and. Uh, Javier's reunited with his mom. Uh, maybe they should have made it his sister, Lauren. Maybe that would have that would have made more sense for that. Because even when they're right next to each other, he's already taller than her, and she looks so. Young. Oh well, that's. I will say that that is not uncommon in right. in those types of families. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. She's like, "Oh, you're all messed up. What happened? We need to get you to the hospital." He's like, "No, no, no, no hospitals. You know, they'll find us there." And and Martha's like, "Oh no. Well, hopefully you won't have to worry about that anymore. I, I've made some phone calls and." And uh, we're going to do what we can to uh, to help this family. Because I was talking to her while we were here, and there's a lot of people like that out there. We need to help them. And there's uh, something to be learned from that, right, Lauren? I guess so. Mom, Mama can't trying. She's like, you know, for you know, sometimes you need to take a risk. I learned that from my son, right? And well, actually, that line did bother me a little bit, and I don't want to be annoying. But she says, you know, for extraordinary people, you need to take a risk. It's like, or just people, right? Right. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Again, I think they have their heart in the right place. Right. But you're right. It's just like it shouldn't matter how extraordinary or unextraordinary people are. You should want to help them regardless. Right. But I, I yeah. get what they're saying. Like they're trying to yeah. say, like, look, these people are are, are are special good people, too. But it's like the, the, the qualifiers you throw out there. And yeah, it's it's real money waters. And I, I know they had the best of intentions, but some of the things they chose to to say just kind of like uh, can hit you the wrong yeah. way. So, yeah. Uh, and it, it's, you know, it's supposed to be a feel-good moment. Like, the family's reunited. Martha is a senator, so she has some say. Hopefully, she can get some immigration reform in Kansas. I doubt there's... I mean, I don't know what the laws are in Kansas, but it's, like, the furthest away from any... It's literally in the center of the United States. Oh, I don't I don't <laughs> like it, think it's that. I think it's... I think if a state senator calls you and asks for a favor, and if that favor is, hey, can you stamp yes on this can you can you approve this one person's application to become mm. a citizen then i owe you a favor cool. I, I well I, I look forward to catching up with javier and his mom in the future seasons lauren because he knows clark's secrets now so yep <laughs> so we get lex uh sad lex the piano i guess uh he's wearing all black i hit a, i don't <laughs> not sure what's going on there maybe maybe he's sad because lana has not answered the question will you marry me yet because it's been like I don't know if somebody if I ask somebody to marry me and it takes them several days to get back to me, I'm not gonna feel good about that even if they do say yes, right? I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a very simple yes or no at that point. Let me get back to you. It's like let me call my ex boyfriend, see what he thinks first. Like I mean, come on. But anyway, Lana shows up. She's so happy because. Um, she really enjoyed that trip to Amsterdam that Lex sent her on. She's like, oh, and he kisses her on the hand. And it's like this nice little reunion. And and she's like, oh, it's so great. There were so many people there. 
But because I was there in your limo with your security, they escorted me in in front of everyone, and I love this power. I'm like, wow, Anna, you've you've really matured a lot. So yeah, what lesson are we to learn from this, Lauren? Like, like Lex is like, oh, it's easy to get used to, right? I mean, then she spends it to think of all we can accomplish together. And well, it's funny. A friend of mine is rewatching season six of Smallville right now, and she was tweeting uh, earlier this week how. Whenever Lex and Lana have scenes together, she just wants to like rewrite all of Lana's scenes and just make them into like a really evil power couple. <laughs> yes, <laughs> now, I, I could I could at least be like respect that, right? Where they're like, oh wow, she Lana got like caught up in all this, and now her and Lex are like on this side, and even though she thinks she's doing the right thing, she's not. Lana is just so naive here, right? Well, you know what. My preference for Lana in the comics is that she just stays in Smallville, stays a small town girl, and you know, Clark and her were like high school sweethearts. The girl that got left behind. That that was always her story. Yes. The girl who got left behind, not the girl who became like the editor of the Daily Planner and like has her own freaking fashion line or something. Um, or not one who becomes a freaking superhero. Like, so if you have to put her in modern comics, if you have to stick her in an, in a modern story, it would actually be kind of cool to see her as a villain think that's more interesting than let's give her powers because we just don't know what to do with her i don't know well i thought that a lot too i was like oh they can be this evil power couple right but then it's like well then clark you you really want to have clark's best friend and his first love like turn evil and it mostly be his fault like i okay i get why i get why they didn't want to do that clark people. deserves it he's horrible we oh. can talk about it at the end of this episode too <laughs> okay <laughs> all right we'll get there um but then in a very bizarre way to tie the plot lines together lana's like we're gonna use this power and we're gonna start helping people because money's not a luxury money is power and she pulls out this daily planet about the the immigrant worker you know everything that happened in this episode i'm like where no you can't you can't tie these plot lines together now (laughs) that's way too last minute and sloppy for my taste i don't know what do you think well, I also just had no idea where she was going with it. Like, I was like, are we about to get, like, her suggesting something really psycho? <laughs> yeah, like, well, she, she's all like, we got to use this alien technology to protect ourselves. Like, that's how she is now. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah. Th- that, I could at least, that would make sense from where she's, what she's experienced the last couple of years, right? But her just pulling out this, like, it, it's like when she wanted to help that halfway house in, in Arrow a couple episodes ago. It's like, where are you finding, they just find these things for her to be interested in to kind of, attempt to tie her to the plot and it just it just feels out of nowhere but anyway yeah. so we got to commercial we come back and read the daily planet and it's uh chloe and henry james olsen here with the with the wrap-up and uh he's he's trying to get her to move because he thinks smallville's a dangerous place i mean he's not raw lauren <laughs> it's, it's it's he really is not actually so <laughs> <laughs> like, you should get out of there <laughs> how many times has chloe died on and off screen at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, he mentions like you get the vine girl and the mole man. He mentions all these things, right? And uh, she's like, oh, I've been living in small my whole, you know, not my whole life, but a long time. And it got me my job and my career and it's great. And I'm not sure I'm going to live. And even though my roommate blasts Metallica. So yeah, her, I, her and Lois, I guess they share that big bed because there's not two beds in that place. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. I'm just, just the, two people shouldn't live in that talent apartment. It's very small. Chloe and uh, Jimmy are about to kiss, and Clark's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, are you really jealous? Like, what are, we, what are you telling me, show? How, what am I supposed to think of all these love triangles that you're trying to sell me on that do not exist? All right, your, your, your promo poster for season six is very misleading. <laughs> okay, there's not three love triangles going on here. There's only one. 
it's Clark Lex and Lana. But um, this is the, this I really like this exchange between Jimmy and Clark because Jimmy is you know he's a he's a doofus right that's his role at the show at this point. But I, I still quote this to my I still quote this in my everyday life. It's like ring that bell. I'm your bro, not your foe. Like, that's so funny to oh me. <laughs> with the fist no, bump. No, it was painful. Well, no, because Clark looks at it like he has no idea what he's supposed to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's interesting? Jimmy, I remember, this is what I thought during the scene, is Jimmy acts like, I don't know, like I would think a brainiac creature acts, like someone who was not born on Earth, who just like, I don't know, went on Vine and Twitter and was like, oh, yes, this is how a person acts. Ring that bell. <laughs> You know <laughs> now apparently apparently Aaron Ashmore ad libbed this and uh, in the companion he oh. had this to say quote I don't ad lib hmm. and in the companion he had this to say quote I don't ad lib a lot I just feel that I'm not a writer these guys do a great job at crafting stories and for me to start throwing stuff in there is kind of disrespectful I don't think that I'm a great writer or always have great ideas but sometimes if there's a little something I'll throw it in there and people usually say either wow keep it or lose it it's pretty quick. I've thrown in a couple of things, and they said, no, you know, we don't need that. That's not going to work. And that's cool. But this one time, I just threw this little thing in. I have no idea where it came from. The line was, ring that bell to Clark, and I'm giving a little fist. But as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, man, that was kind of weird. But Tom's like, no, 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 dude, that was funny. You've got to keep that. I think that's really going to work. That was just perfect for the scene, perfect for the character. The director, Richard Rosenthal, said the same thing. I thought it was a little goofy, but after the fact, a couple of the writers said, yeah, we really liked that line. That was a good little ad lib. But I tried not to throw in a ton of stuff because I'm actually really happy with what they give Jimmy to do. So there you go. There's a story behind that great moment. My favorite moment of the episode by far, Lauren. Ring that bell. I'm your bro. <laughs> not your foe. Ring that bell. You can ring my bell. <laughs> they did not use that song. Uh, Please so cut that out. They're bros now. Jimmy goes about his business and... Uh, Chloe's like, don't even ask for any follow-up questions on that, because Clark's like, what, what? <laughs> and Clark, wh- why does he wear this white t-shirt around? Uh, he's he does this in, in some random episodes. It's weird because to me, a white t-shirt is always an undershirt, but Clark wears it like a normal shirt. Any thoughts on that, Lord? Oh, uh, well, you did not know this when you asked this, but my dad wore a white shirt and blue jeans his like my entire life. Um, he just worked down the garden every day, and that was his uniform: a white shirt, blue jeans, and like um. Uh, like a Vans style slip on, but, but like before Vans were cool. So I don't know. I just think it's like a, a really basic thing to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a farmer. You, so makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But speaking of farmers, uh, Clark congratulates Chloe in her article about cornfield killer nabbed. But uh, Jeb McNally, he uh, went to uh, Belle Reve, apparently, or so the papers say. We'll see what happened to him in a minute. We do have a kind of a moment of introspection here with Clark. And he's like, you know, so, no matter how much I do, I mean, I can't save everybody in the world. And Chloe says, you know, you do a lot more to save this world than anyone else. And I'm like, all right, they, they found this balance of like, okay, we know there are lots of problems going on in the world. Superman can't solve them all, but he's doing the best he can. That's a, I mean, that, yeah, that's they them got, trying they to find that cookie balance. for this episode. Yeah. Right. I mean, that. They got for like, look, we know we just tackled something like super serious and we can't do that all the time. But hey, Clark's doing a lot of good work. He's he's running around chasing zoners, right? I mean, not right now. He seems to be giving up on that for a while. Uh, but uh, anyway, that that was their way of, you know, addressing that and, and moving on, I think. And that was that was fine. I mean, what else could they have said? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how they could have wrapped it up any any more appropriately, especially uh, on this show at that time. Hmm. 
So then we cut to uh, the barn, and uh, Clark's doing some farm work, and uh, Lana comes in. And Clark is, like, really happy to see her. And she's looking for his mom, and she's looking on some uh, legislation and about, you know, the immigrant uh, situation. And it takes a turn because uh, Clark's like, well, you know, Lex is just doing that to clean up after his own mess, right? So uh, you apparently had some problems with this scene, Lord, and Clark's behavior. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty well established. I'm not a Lana Lang fan at all in any version, let alone Smallville. That said, Clark was a real jerk in this in this scene. He sounds like he has plenty of reason to distrust Lex, but to quote what the kids say, he has very small dick energy in the scene. He just sounds so insecure, and he's trying to take pokes at Lex this entire time. And he he knows that Lana's with him, like at this point. Like, yeah. Clark, calm thyself. Like, <laughs> well, although Lana does say some stupid things here too. She's like, unlike some people in my life, Lex doesn't lie to me. I'm like, really, Lana? <laughs> Come on. I don't blame her for that because Clark, like, he, he, like, yeah, obviously, like, Lex probably lies to her about a lot of things, but that is a well deserved dig at Clark, in my opinion. I don't want to agree with Lana. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Clark was just so unnecessary in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then at the end, like, I-, I would have respected him more had he actually, like, stuck with it. But he's like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. I'm like, no, bro. No, no, no. You, you crossed the it's line. Like, you-, you, you can't go did. back. <laughs> you you did. did mean it like that. And, and I'm and, glad and that she, Lana called she him out. She actually did call him out on it. I was like, all right. So so to me, I mean, I see what you're saying about Clark, but these are both two characters in bad places. <laughs> right now so, but, but they I, are. I, I see That's your point true. um because she's just so believe she's like lex didn't know anything about that i'm like you're right he didn't know about that but you know what else he knows about he just we're gonna see in the next scene right that he has a secret prison of people with meteor powers that he's experimenting on and little what they know eight years later they have the same sort of thing going on in the flash but the heroes have the prison <laughs> you know i'm very impressed that the flash actually addressed that by the way like wait we you're keeping them where <laughs> under what authority, you know, but, um, but Hey, this is where we get, uh, AFI's prelude 1221. Great song. One of my favorite jams of the early two thousands. So again, season six come with the songs. And then, you know, we, we see that we got, uh, Brian Cranston in, uh, in prison there. And, and I don't know why we have this. Is it supposed to be this- some kind of reveal? Like we just pan down to his hand covered in dirt. I'm like, yeah, I know that was him. Like, I guess that was the reveal that that was the the mole man, right? I don't know. It was definitely like a lot more like macabre and gruesome than it needed to because you're because th- you can think of a lot of things like like is that the dirt on his hands? Is that cancer? Is that like tar? Like is is he dying? Like you know, it's they just wanted to be dramatic. That's the way to show you that that's the in case you didn't recognize him, that's the subterranean guy because his fingers are covered in dirt. But then we get past that. And we get the awesome slow-mo shot. Lex Luthor, he pan up from his shoes. He's doing the cool evil villain slow walk down the hallways. People are reaching out at him. Uh, up angle. You know, that implies, that shows his his villainy, right? And yeah. um, green like lights cool are flashing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's great. And then we go out this door and it slowly closes. And it says level 33.1. And they hear the, you actually hear the door slam. <laughs> Like the sound effects, so that was they threw that in there as as an exclamation point to the end of the episode. And hey, that's that's one of the most epic endings to any small episode, which is ironic coming in this one. Huh? It literally is, yeah. And like the thing is, I don't know. I knew this. 
I think I might have even said this to you when we were talking about Subterranean. I might have said, oh, yeah, like, I like it. Plus, it has that cool ending with the AFI song, whatever. Like, but I actually forgot it going into this episode because I was just distracted by, I don't know, how different it was from how I remembered it. And what happened at the end, I was like, oh, well, you know, for everything this episode was, there is that ending. Thursdays this September, catch all new episodes of Smallville right here on the home of the new CW. Subterranean got a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, and Neil Bailey from the Superman homepage gave it a 1 out of 5. Now, I haven't been reading many excerpts from his reviews recently, but I do want to read what he had to say about this one, because I think he did a pretty good job capturing kind of the awkwardness, and this is even back in 2006, so here's what he had to say in his wrap-up. I can't say that in the end the message forwarded anything with regards to illegal immigration. If anything, it only strengthened the irrational stereotype and gave us another crappy Freak of the Week episode, complete with Lana-centric coincidental nonsense and a complete derision of everything that makes Lex good. First, he's portrayed as someone so emotional he can't think straight. Then we see him coolly assembling an injustice society. Do I buy it? No. Was it entertaining? A few times, but not really enough to even make up a substantial portion of the episode. Most of it was inconsistent garbage. While I respect that they tried to bring a real-life issue into this series and thrust a moral message onto it in a relevant way, it failed to do so, descended into near-racism, and in the end made the real issue less interesting than a guy who can burrow underground, which is sad given all of the provocation that issue might allow. In the end, Smallville is not pulling up from its nosedive. Looking at this on the surface, I would have given it 2.5, but given the continued poor performance, the utter failure of continuity of logic, and the empty plot-driven characters that still charge this world, I'm going to give this show yet another one. So that's what Neil had to say. That is quite insightful. I'm very impressed at this review from 2006. <laughs> there you go. So, And this is, I mean, he has been really harsh on the show uh, uh, in recent episodes, but a lot of it is deserved <laughs> frankly, but I think he, he, he did a pretty good job summing up all the things we were circling around our conversation. So, so Lauren, I pass it to you on the letter grade scale. What would you give Subterranean? I have a question. Would you like me to grade the political atmosphere of this episode by 2020 standards or 2006 standards? Mm. It affects let, the letter grade. <laughs> let, let's hear both. Um, my initial thought was, I guess this episode is a C. Uh, well, actually, no, my initial thought was it was a C or C minus. But actually, knowing that someone else in 2006 thought that this was really messed up and racist, that's that's weighing on me a lot. So, like, I think I would move it from like a C minus to like a D if depending on depending on which uh, year we're judging it on. Let's uh, let's let's go with your gut there. Let's say you give it a D. All right. Let's go with okay. that. I think that's fair. I am going to give it can, a D. Oh, can I give it a D plus? Because Tyler Posey was charming in this episode, and it has an AFI song in it, and it has this, as you mentioned, there's a clip in this episode that is used in like every Smallville fan video ever. <laughs> yeah. See, now well, I want to make it a C plus again. <laughs> no, 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 let's stick with that because you're minus. you're reading my mind there. I am going to give it a D plus myself for all the reasons you just said. Right? I think okay. I think all those reasons. I think Superman Clark Kent's character is is very consistent with who he should be here. Uh, I see him, uh, you know, Tom Welling is the older brother, as we always talk about on the show when like younger actors come on as the guest stars of the week. He excels at that. Um, I, 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 I like the attempt, like, like Neil was saying, like, okay, you, you tried to do something here, but you failed at it. So I, you know, but it, Hey, like good intentions, I'm sure 
were behind this story, but the execution mm-hmm. just really feels flat. And again, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just lots of things that didn't age so well uh, in the episode. Now, although you don't think it aged well, I did love the "I'm your bro, not your foe." Ring that bell. So for that alone, <laughs> it's going to get the plus side for me. But D plus for you, D plus for me. And hey, I have nothing on the towel board this episode. The only thing I had was the potential to knock out the King Clark secret. So there's there's nothing else. Did did I miss something, Lord? If Javier wasn't an illegal immigrant, we would have gotten a hospital visit. <laughs> Damn. Well, that's the reality of the episode. <laughs> so yeah. there you have it. Uh, and Bechtel test fail because Martha doesn't talk to Lana or Chloe. Chloe doesn't talk to Martha or Lana, et cetera, et cetera. We don't see Martha and Javier's mom talk, just the two of them. That would have been a good scene. Yeah. It would have. But they still would have been talking about their sons. Hmm. True. So, like the, they would not, they would not talk about anything but their sons. Right. So I would not have passed the Bechdel test regardless. So there yeah. you go. There you go. Back to man. Test Smallville, fail. like Bechdel test fail, like no racial representation whatsoever. All right. Well, there you go. We, we did it, Lauren. I know that one's a little, a little tricky to talk about, but uh, I'm glad that we talked about it together. I am too, and I am very proud to be your friend where we can talk about these things and um and and also just like. To, to be able to talk to someone who does recognize, oh, that's not like the best thing he could have said, or that was not phrased the right way, or that decision wasn't like, you know, the best. Um, so I do appreciate you. Appreciate that we can talk about these things. Listeners, thank you for enduring with us and uh, yeah, being mindful. And Lauren, of course, right back at you about all the things you said to me. I appreciate our friendship. I'm glad we can talk about these kinds of things and navigate these dangerous waters of these real world issues when our, when our, superhero media decides to cover them so yeah looking forward to a lighthearted episode i'm sure that we're going to do something super lighthearted next time <laughs> right we'll Probably have not. to find something some silly lowest adventure we'll find and we'll talk about that so it cannot <laughs> wait <laughs> all right well we'll be back next week talking about hydro but until then always hold on to smallville Hold on to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On To network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Cafonte Chillis, Dallas Hernandez, Casey Cochran, Darren Kirsch, Lex Ledger, Joy Deanberg, JJ Hodges, DJ Duenna, Jason Skipper, Mateo Jarrell Santiago, Nathan McKenzie, Tim Miller, Joe Mickendo, Steve Rogers, John Curcio, Atif Sheik, Molly Ficarilla, Trayvon Brady, Mike Franz, Dylan D'Antonio, Mariana Sachi, Rachel Miller, Andrew Parker, James Lee, Jonathan England, Adam Sullins, Joe Michael, Nathan Rothatcher, Zachary Burkhalter, Corey Moore, James Bandini II, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Nicholas Fanzler, Catherine Caldwell, Will Hunt, Clunk Kent, Patricia Carrillo, Tom Gerke, Nicholas Coso, Jared Gibbs, Erica Flynn, Anthony Anderson, Jasmine McGelly, Keith Falls, and Jay Packett. Thank you so much to all these patrons, and you too can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Hold On To Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On To Smallville, and you can send us an email at AlwaysMallville at gmail.com, once again with one S. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.